0: This is Be Createful, a podcast about finding fullness through
1: creativity. I'm Joe, and I'm Madison, and today on episode ninety-five,
0: we have a very special guest with us today. Joe, tell us who it is. Um, well, our guest's name is Andrew Cook. I will let you introduce yourself.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I'm Andrew Cook, and uh, I am a musician, and I um, teach music at Harding University, and where I do many different, wear many different hats. So (laughs) I teach clarinet and saxophone. Um, We
0: should have had you bring something. You could play music as a new intro. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, And I teach music history and music education sometimes. And I direct the jazz band and conduct the Homecoming musical and all kinds of things. A lot of things. So that's what do I do. Do you
0: ever teach um, music appreciation?
2: I have taught music appreciation in the past. And um, music history is kind of like a ramped up uh, music appreciation okay. for um, for music majors. So, um, yeah. So I, I think a uh, co- couple of years ago. Your I, I students was are thing. all music majors, typically. Mostly. Yeah. 99%. Yeah. hmm
0: I was, because I was an art major, so I didn't take art appreciation. I took the, like, two art history classes instead of that. Um, Well, the reason that we invited Andrew on is because I was scrolling through Instagram and saw someone had shared, um, this is like a tweet or whatever someone had shared, and it just says, my friend Bobby just casually said, if art is how we decorate space, music is how we decorate time. That blew my mind when I read that. First of all, that whoever Bobby is just casually had that thought. (laughs) Good Um, job, Bobby. Yeah. How profound. Um, But I'll say it again. If art is how we decorate space, music is how we decorate time. And I had never thought of time as being something that could be like I had never thought about it as decorating time in the same way that Mm -hmm. like we hang art on our walls to decorate our Mm -hmm. space and then we play music Mm -hmm. to decorate or fill um or beautify like the time that we're existing and then also it's a marker of time right like we can study art history Mm -hmm. and see how things are changing throughout historically changing and music is is the same. It's a way that we can understand culture and people and history Mm -hmm. through music. So I was like, we need to have a conversation about this. (laughs) I'm not musical and
1: neither am I. So we brought on an expert today.
0: (laughs) Um, I've always been fascinated
1: by people who um, play music, specifically people who play jazz music because with my very, small understanding of jazz music is not only are there like standards that people play, but there are also like, there's this element of improv and joining in a creative act together. Mm. And I've been, I've asked several people who do play jazz music and play jazz like that, because I have no concept of how, you know, three people can get together and say, all right, I don't know what we're going to play we're just going to make it happen. So yeah. do you have any insight as to how like people can collaborate in that way in real time and decorate, you know, time with this sound?
2: Yeah. So jazz is, um, an interesting art form because you are, um, because well, usually, I mean, there is uh, free jazz, which is really kind of out there and you know where people just do whatever they want whenever you know that, is it like so it's avant-garde not,
1: God, you might yes, say right okay. so
2: there is that but in traditional jazz you start out with a, a song a theme mm. and then over that structure of the song then there is um, usually improvisation that goes on so you take the song and you use that as a framework. Mm. And if you're an experienced jazz impro- improviser, then you know that there are a set of rules and not not necessarily rules, but guidelines that help you navigate within that to make you know, know how to choose notes. And you're yeah. like,
1: all right, I know that this situation is coming up. I can sense it. I need to reach into my tool bag and pick out right. the right one.
2: Yeah. And then a really good improviser is doing something at at one time that sets up what he he or she knows is coming up mm-hmm. in the in you know the near future, so that things kind of flow together smoothly, and that's that's when it reaches you know that very artistic level of um, of performance, and um, yeah, so th- and and then within the jazz group, um, you know, because it usually I'm I'm, in my mind. I'm thinking of like a jazz combo, you know, Mm -hmm. so like um, drums and piano and bass, or uh, maybe guitar Mm -hmm. and a a horn or two, so a saxophone or a trumpet or what have you. And so the rhythm section, the people playing drums and bass and piano, um, they provide the framework usually, and the the melodic player the the trumpet saxophone or whatever is the person who will um, improvise a new melody over top of that Mm. framework. So um, now that it doesn't necessarily have to be just one person. You kind of take turns in doing that, but you have some people that provide the framework Mm -hmm. and then others who are exploring, um, you know, and, and improvising and being, more creative. You can be creative within your set of, of, uh, what you're doing. Like the drummer, say Mm -hmm. the drummer has to keep time, but the drummer can also play off of what other people are doing at any given time. So in that way, jazz becomes like a conversation Mm -hmm. among, among a group of people. Um, you know, and, and, and it's kind of like if you have a conversation, but you start with, okay, we're going to discuss, X, Y, and oh, Z.
0: like a podcast? Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> jazz is like a podcast. Oh, my so. gosh. How, how <laughs>
0: important is it that... Okay, maybe this is how I want to ask it. What is the relationship between all of the people in that group? Like, mm. is it... Um, I'm assuming you can improvise better with people you're familiar with and that you know. Yes. But then yeah. also you there's like these iconic jazz sessions, right, where like mm-hmm. really famous artists are getting together and just riffing off of each other with yeah. no practice at all. So I I would assume it's similar to in conversation, but talk about the trust yeah. or the knowing yeah. that needs to happen.
2: Exactly. So um, when you are, um, when you're playing with a group of people, I think, I mean, your level of comfort in that situation is huge. I mean, it, because, and this goes back to, outside of jazz, just playing music in general. So you have to get rid of, um, of any kind of, or as much tension as you can Mm. and mental and physical. And when you're in a situation with a new group of people that you don't know that you haven't had a conversation with, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, And so you might feel self-conscious. You might feel like, uh, I don't know if what I'm playing is what they want or what they're expecting um, and because you haven't played with them before, you it's you know you you don't um, you don't have the expectation of how the conversation will unfold. Mm-hmm. So it you have to be a little bit more on your toes about what's what's happening and responding to that. Now that can be a really, energizing kind of aspect to it or it can be a very fearful aspect
0: and I think just like our personalities some of us enjoy conversation with new people and some of us are terrified of meeting new people so I would think it could be the same in your craft
1: or your art I think it's really interesting that you said that you have to relieve tension like emotionally and physically at the same time Mm -hmm. because I've I get this sense that music is one of those things that like when you're playing music specifically, it's engaging mm-hmm. a lot of your senses at once
2: yeah uh, it it is like uh, well i don't I don't know that there's any metaphor that I can you know, um, but driving and texting and dribbling a basketball out the window <laughs> of your car that might. Come close, but yeah, you're thinking about so many things and on so many different levels and if there if you aren't comfortable enough with uh, with the music you're playing with um, the setting that you're playing with um, and I'm I'm saying uh, I keep saying playing because I'm an instrumentalist but it mm-hmm. would be the same for a, a singer mm-hmm. um, and you know I talk to my students all the time about uh, About eliminating uh, tension in because tension is if you think of um, but the example I always go to is if you think of a person shooting a a foul shot in basketball Hmm. and obviously I can't show this on our podcast, but if but I am now making a motion that's very herky jerky and, you know. Uh, sudden and not like where you're just like lobbing smooth. the ball. Like, yeah, just, you're yeah. pushing it very quickly mm-hmm. out in front of you. You think, you know, uh, there's a reason that basketball players like dribble a few times, spin the ball in their hands. It's all to create a feeling of relaxation that they've ah, done that before. Up. Yeah. And so when you're being creative, you know, if you have physical tension, if you have mental tension, all that's doing is just getting in the way of optimal performance. Um, and so I work on that all the time with my clarinet and saxophone students, like in their hands, in their, uh, you know, the way that they put their mouth on the mouthpiece of the mm-hmm. instrument. All of that, if there's excess tension, it's just getting, it's it's putting up barriers for you to, um, to do your best and then to be creative within that. Um, you just, you know, it's just kind of... Um, creating multiple barriers to get through is making it that much harder.
0: You know, I can relate to that even in when I write sometimes, like mm-hmm. the physical act of mm-hmm. writing. Sometimes my my arm, especially since my shoulder surgery, I just feel really like tight, like my hand, I can't yeah. make the letters right. It's like the muscle memory of writing can't take over because my body is like too tight and I just have to scribble like I call it getting the scribbles out. But I just have to like let my hand scribble yeah. on the page to loosen up enough to actually feel like I can write letters that are super familiar mm-hmm. but feel strange in my body if I'm holding on to some sort of tension for whatever reason. So I could totally see how it would yeah. translate to music too. Yeah.
1: I think that touches on something that could be universal to creativity in general. If you're trying to force something, Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to turn out very well for you because you're just really trying to make it happen. And I experience this a lot when I'm developing classes Mm -hmm. for our kiddos. If I'm trying to force something to happen, it's probably not going to be a good class. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of need to relax, take a moment, and try to approach the class in a way where I'm like, all right, if this isn't going to work, I let go of the idea and I allow, allow something new to come in.
2: Right. I, I think um, also, yeah, the mental um, relaxation is key because, you know, when uh, like in performing or say when you're, you know, you're being you're in the creative mode, mm-hmm. the, the mental tension is just is that voice that's telling you, be careful you're Mm -hmm. this is not you know that you messed this up last time or you know whatever it happens to be in our own experience but it's always most always negative yes and it's most always like uh yes framed in the negative and then it's of the pulling pulling back forcing you to pull back and be careful Mm -hmm. rather than to encourage you to try and to you know and to do and and um experiment maybe or just take a chance you know and
0: part of that has to do with trust i would think too like trusting the time that you've put in in practice and in developing your skill and that that will pay off like that will hold you up yes you can fall back on your experience and then your time in the craft and then that allows you to be a little bit more vulnerable
2: yeah we we talk about trust all the time in in my lesson. And, and that's so in
0: your lessons when you're talking yeah. about trust is it trusting yourself is it trusting the, the people process, in the group okay the Ooh.
2: process. The, <laughs> we talk about
0: that
1: a process. lot on here trusting yeah. the process
2: yeah um, yeah you ha- i mean you have to you have to establish trust with the student they have to trust that you actually know how to get them to the next level or you know Guide them on the right mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. They have to practice enough that they trust themselves that they can can perform what they're working on and perform it to a level where they can think about other things while they're performing. So, um, so that they can get the negative out of their their head and really be musical in the moment. And so, um, yeah, trust. Uh, Oh, and the other thing is trusting the process of practicing like, you know, as when we're playing. So as woodwind players, we're required to play fast stuff all the time, like Mm -hmm. blazingly fast, (laughs) lots of notes and to where you can't read the actual notes are going by so fast. You, You just have to take it all in. And so i'm all the time saying you've got to go slower you've got to go slower and uh, you know where you're working on a piece of music you might be playing it slow up until like just a week or two from performance and then once you have it ingrained then you speed it up but so much of that is like trusting that by playing it slow i will be able to play it fast instead
1: of Immediately trying to play it fast yeah. and then getting frustrated when you missing yeah. notes. Yeah. yeah. So I
2: have I have a saying for all my students that the perfect tempo is the tempo at which you can play it perfectly.
1: Oh, so. <laughs> I feel like that hits a soft spot in my heart where it's like, <laughs> what's perfect for you is where you can, you yeah. know, where you can achieve what you need to achieve. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Oh. That's, that's being like in the perfect spot at that time that is allowing you to, do your best and make the most progress that you can.
1: Man, but then you have to accept the fact that maybe your perfect tempo Mm -hmm. might be a lot slower than someone
0: else's perfect
1: learning tempo. Yes, But that's that's where you
0: have to make the distinction between like where you sit naturally, Mm -hmm. like you're learning and what feels comfortable to you versus the performance. Like you do have to work out, we do have to push beyond our comfort zones Mm -hmm. for things like the performance. You have to increase the tempo, but that doesn't, mean you have to live there.
1: Yes. I guess what I'm thinking about is I'm having flashbacks to when I was in fourth grade (laughs) and we had reading tests where you had to like read a book and then you have to take a test on it to get a certain amount of points. I'm a slow reader and always have been. So I watch all of these people blaze through books and get their, you know, points in super early. And then I'm over here, like, trying to get through a smaller book just so I can, like, get the same amount of points. And I always felt less than Mm -hmm. and sometimes still do where people are like, oh, yeah, I breezed through that book in a week. And I'm like, I'm a month in and I'm still trying to, like, get through it. But that's just how I take in books.
2: Yeah. So, But, you know, maybe you also have a deeper understanding because you're spending more time in the text, too. Yeah, maybe. And that's what, you know, it, also working with different students, like each student is different. So one may not be able to play as fast as someone else, but they may be able to play more expressively than other people. Mm-hmm. So that's about finding your strengths and developing those as well. So.
1: There's a lot of like personal knowledge that I feel like musicians have to have about themselves. Yes.
2: I, I tell, that's another thing I tell my (laughs) students that, you know, we're sitting there with instruments in our hands and I say, this has, this lesson has nothing to do with saxophone.
1: Oh no. (laughs) It
2: has everything to do with learning who you are and then allowing that to. Well,
0: that's our whole podcast, right? Like we use creativity as a lens to understand ourselves, um, and so, I think people who are in the arts in general yeah. are You're by on a nature self-reflective. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I want to talk about the relationship between the skill of music mm-hmm. versus the, for lack of a better word, creativity uh, yeah. of music. Um, Madison and I have talked before about sewing. Like we don't necessarily feel creative just because we followed a pattern. Mm-hmm. and have the mm-hmm. skill to make something.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: so do you, how do you approach creativity so there, as yeah. a musician? So there's
2: a great analogy here mm-hmm. with, um, with, with musicians, especially as, as a mostly, even though I direct the jazz band, I am a classically trained
1: uh, okay. musician.
2: So, so there's a great analogy in that um, when I work on a piece of music, I am, as a classical musician, I have the score in front of me and I'm trying to reproduce the score. So kind of like a pattern Mm -hmm. that you're following sewing. And, and so as I do that, there are some things that have to be done a certain way that as you read the music, you know, you have to play all the right notes, you have to play Mm -hmm. the right rhythms. Um, But then most pieces of music leave some latitude for interpretation Mm. and where you can decide, I think I will, you know, make this a little slower here or Mm -hmm. stretch this out or make this louder, softer, whatever. And so, so while you're following the music faithfully, you're trying to, then there are these moments where, and you can hear this listening to different people play the same, like listen to different orchestras play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Mm. And it's the same music, but depending on the tempo that they take it or how the conductor decides to um, emphasize one instrument or one melody or whatever over others, um, it will sound not not like a different piece of music, but it will have a very different feel to it. Mm. So that's the creative process of where the performer, and this is, I mean, this is something interesting in music too, is that, you know, the artwork is what is the artwork? Like, is it the notes the composer writes on the page? Is it the performer mm-hmm. actually realizing right. those into sound? and then, or is it you know the 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 person listening, uh-huh. receiving those things and all in time, as we talked about? Mm-hmm. And um, so th- you so there is a, you know, the composer, establish something but the performer and that's the interesting part of music because the performer adds something not too much but something to it that's their own mm-hmm. and so it's like a collaboration and in that way i think that it that a really cool uh way to think about it is like architecture um mm. in that a, an architect designs the building but there are many people that are involved in the process of realizing that vision um, even down to the, the you know cement mixer mm-hmm. or what have you, and um, that 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 are um, responsible for making it. So um, so in that same way, you know, the performer in music. Obviously, a composer is creative, right? But the performer. I've often dealt with that and thought, you know, I, for a long time, I didn't think of myself as creative. Mm. I thought of myself as more of a technician. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but, but in those spots, like when you come up with it, when I would come up with an idea and a teacher or a, you know, professor would say, oh, I've never heard anyone do that before. That is Mm -hmm. really, you know, that what you thought of here is just really um, works with this piece of music. So. Then I started to see, oh, okay. So the, there's this creative space within, you know, that's like a limited space, but it's mm-hmm. what what I where I am allowed flexibility as a, a musician and as a performer to put my own stamp yeah. on it.
0: I don't know <laughs> if it's if it is because of our culture of like consumerism and productivity, but we have limited creativity. And you even said what what piece of it is the artwork like mm-hmm. we've limited it to the product um, yeah. and that that is where the creativity exists is like somehow only in the product and we're constantly talking about it's not the product it's the process mm-hmm. and so as I'm hearing you talk, um, like I took piano I was decent at it I was I if I had stuck with it, I would have been fine because I'm a like to be good at things. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I could have mastered the technical side of it. It would never have been a creative experience for me because I Mm -hmm. didn't have that mindset or posture going into playing the piano. Mm -hmm. Um, And so more and more, I'm starting to see creativity as the mindset that we're in when we approach whatever the activity is Um, that it's the the mindset that puts us into the process. It really is not the product at all.
2: Right. So uh, the other interesting thing that I was just having a conversation with someone um, a few weeks ago about this, is the idea of being creative as a listener in the Mm -hmm. musical process. So you don't know anything about composing or playing or, you know, whatever. That was
0: actually something I wanted to ask you about, is what's yeah. the role of music when people don't know what's going on, when we're not musical?
2: Right. So, you know, it's really whatever you make of it, right? And So
0: instead of it being in the eye of the beholder, it's uh, in the ear yeah. of the beholder. That's right. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, and, and then you can think of being an informed listener on different levels. Like the more you know about music and the more your experience is and the more you've listened to Various types of music, then the more you can get out of it um it's uh, yeah i so I was having this conversation with someone about being a creative listener, and no matter what your your experience like if you hear. Piece of music, and it's easier to talk about this in terms of instrumental music because you don't have the words that are influencing mm-hmm. your interpretation of it. So it's just, it's that, that just it
1: takes th- another element out that might complicate things. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah. Because if I'm singing about something, then you know what you're supposed to get out of right. the yeah. music, right? So.
0: Except sometimes when words don't match the music. Yeah. <laughs> That's always interesting too when you it's an upbeat song, but then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, "Yes, wait a minute, (laughs) this is a sad song." Yeah.
2: (laughs) So yeah, so no matter what your level of experience, like you, you might just hear some piece of classical music and think, "Oh, that reminds me of of you know some show that I saw on TV that was set in that time period that I'm not sure what it was, but it sounds like this," Mm -hmm. and and then you know, so you make a connection there with something you have experience with. And so that allows you to kind of interact with the music a little bit more than just listening to it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you, you can imagine, you know, the levels of depth as you get to know something, as you learn some, learn about say, you know, the composer of the time period or, um, you know, the history of the piece or whatever. Um, then the listening experience can be deeper and richer uh, as as you progress.
0: You can start to see how things are connected right. to throughout time, like influenced. You know yes. who's influencing certain artists or mm-hmm. whatever. The more you know,
1: you know, I would get really self conscious around. Uh, I have a few uh, friends who are really into music and they're musicians and they um, they're jazz musicians, and so I would get self conscious about my. Uh, music taste. I often tell them that I have trash music
0: taste. <laughs> hey, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, yeah. too. Yeah, because, I mean,
1: it's one of the things that I always ask um, my music friends. I'm like, all right, so, you know, you have you obviously know music in depth. I don't. Here's what I like to listen to. I consider it trash taste. And they're like one of one of my friends said to me, well, if you like it, then it's good. Like, that's what makes good music, is if you like it. And I was Mm -hmm. just kind of shocked, because this is someone who has lots of training, takes music very seriously, and is very Mm. much deep into the technical understanding of music. Yeah, And he's like, if you like it, it's good. And it just kind of shocked me that he had that opinion.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, for a long time, especially classical musicians, you know, were very... um, possessive about their their art and saying, you know, like that this is up here and everything oh, like, else this is, is down. here. high art. Yes. And then this, yeah. High art, low art. Yeah. Even, you know, I had a professor in college who even looked down his nose at jazz, you know. It was like, "Oh my. Yeah, that was not good enough for him." <laughs> but um but you know, I uh, like with within every genre, like I don't think that there's any any genre of music that is bad, that is just like not worth listening to, Uh, you know, but within each genre of music, there is good, you know, there is great, good music and great music. Mm -hmm. And each genre has its own set of standards that of, of how you value music and what makes it great, whether I'm listening to the Beatles or, or Bach or, whomever uh, Coltrane uh, yeah. <laughs> you know th- there's a there's a standard like each each style has its own set of rules and standards that say that like th- what this they value is as the
1: most important or what yeah. they what kind of makes the I think
2: right. the or soundscape it, or whatever yeah or even listening to folk music you know it's mm. not it's not the tone of the person's voice that makes it, it might be the how much feeling you you know, you can sense from how, what, what they're putting into the music, you know, Mm -hmm. that might be a a judgment on how, on how the music is great or on, on, um, what makes it good. So, so each type, whatever music you're, uh, looking to, so like if you're trying to judge what music is good, Mm um, so music, that is good music is, is good of its kind. Uh, so
1: within its own standards. Right, you wouldn't so judge classical music based on jazz standards. This is what I'm pop, trying to yeah. say.
2: Thank you. Yes. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> no, I got you. Put it in a nutshell. Me, yes. Yeah. It makes me think of like, we wouldn't judge modern art by classical art standards.
2: Exactly. Um, yeah. But so many people try to.
0: Yes, and so they're like, or we oh, try to pit them against each other. Yes, like that you have to decide one of them has to be better than the other, which completely takes out personal preference. Mm-hmm. Like right, like so you objectively, don't connect, right. Like if yeah. I don't connect with classical music, it doesn't matter how good it is. If it's not right. connecting exactly. with me, it's not. My, it's not ever going to be the music that I like the most. Yeah. Well, you
1: know. See, thinking about that, I'm thinking about like exposure because you talked a little bit about this earlier that if, you know, as we listen to different types of music, we can start to get a deeper appreciation of those types of music. And so many of us are not exposed to Mm -hmm. classical music um, when we're young or when we are. It's in a very sort of solemn, you know, almost like, yeah, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's school or like when they play it in a musical score, it's supposed to mm-hmm. invoke this sort of like stoic seriousness. Yes, yeah. seriousness. Mm-hmm. Um, where I wonder is if we were exposed to it, like we were some other types of music, we may not view it that way.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's true. Like it, um, then you get into like the cultural influence of different types of music, you know, and, and the expectations. So like if I, if you go to a classical music concert, um, you know, after someone does something amazing you're you're gonna wait to the end of the piece to clap rather mm-hmm. than like in the middle, like you would with a jazz group, you know, yes. like, yeah, all right, that was great and if you did that in a classical music concert, you're like everyone's like "Oh, who brought this person?" yeah you know so um, but it's the same again, I'm too many sports analogies, but like mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't go to uh like a golf tournament and in the middle of a person's backswing and be like, yeah, go hit <laughs> yes. it far, you know? And so you just, you know what the expectations are mm-hmm. and you enjoy watching. Some people don't enjoy watching golf. Others do. Um, it would just be like if I took this the picture of, uh, of this Christmas tree on the wall and I was like, well, you know, this is not a good picture of a Christmas tree because it's not very it's realistic. Not, it's not it's, realistic. Yeah. I mean, what are these stars in the background? They're not, you know, they don't look like snowflakes? snow. Is that snow? Is that, I don't know. And, uh, you know, in trying to judge it by this artistic standard of realism, which is just one artistic standard of many, mm-hmm. and so you know we we have to. Anytime we encounter music, we have to think about. I mean, if we want to take it seriously, we have to think about um, what what am I supposed to get out of this, and what is the experience supposed to be? Is yes. it supposed to be just enjoyment and you know background while I'm doing something else, mm-hmm. or am I supposed to be like, or, or am I expected to be? relatively still and listening like really carefully engaged. yeah and so you know the any type of music that is meant to be thoughtfully considered probably won't make for you know um good i don't know like driving music yeah. because yeah you'll get to thinking about All of these things and not in your...
0: Well, in driving music, a lot of times, too, or music that I listen to, it has the lyrics. So like you said before, the lyrics add a whole other layer because someone could have really complex lyrics. Like that's where their art actually lies is in the lyrics. And Mm -hmm. then the music is just the plate that you're being served the lyrics on Yeah, or vice versa. For the most
2: part, like when you have... Vocal music, you know that that's exactly it. Like the the music is serving as a vehicle for the words mm-hmm. and for the meaning of of those words. Trying to just supplement or augment the meaning, you know, provide an atmosphere for that poem to be sung. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not uh, something that the music has to convey the meaning itself. It has the benefit of having spoken or sung word to, to help with that. So, um, and most people for sung music, if you understand the language, that's what you're going to focus on because that's the more natural kind of connection I think we make through, through language. But, um, a person like me though, I, rarely listen to words mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's my training. And, um, yeah, sometimes I make really funny mistakes because I'm not listening to words. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: Like mishearing lyrics. And yes. Like, oh, am,
2: yeah. I'm notorious for that kind of thing. I love it. So
0: I love music that crosses genres. Yes. Like that's one reason I love Queen yeah. and Sticks, like those kind of bands mm-hmm. that brought in sort of the rock opera or, oh, yeah. you know, like kind the of. Who. Tommy. And mm-hmm. you know? and I love covers that take something like, um, I showed my, had my teens listen to a Taylor Swift cover by a, like a heavy metal oh, band. Oh, interesting, yeah. And so yeah. they take a Taylor Swift song and turn it into like this heavy metal ballad. Yeah, um, that's the best. I love that kind of stuff that yes. shows the, um, the twist or the complexity with yeah. taking something familiar, like it's something that I mm-hmm. already know, and then adding some sort of new yeah the idea
2: of the cover is just is awesome Uh because you know you get a song like potentially a good song and you have this sometimes classic and iconic recording of it by the original you Mm -hmm. know it's what everyone expects and so many people if they want to if they want to perform that song themselves they try and do it in a classical mindset, like as faithfully as possible right. uh, to the original, yes. they're going to sound like, and we get this, oh, wait, I don't want to go down that path. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, <laughs>
0: backtrack. Okay. Let
2: me say this though. Uh, sometimes in, not in our theater program here, oh, oh. but in other theater programs, you'll, like the people try to sound exactly like the Broadway recording mm-hmm. of oh. something. And so it's. I mean, that's great and all because it's a, a exactly. You're not, that's not a creative.
1: You're not bringing anything new to the table.
2: Yes. And so a thoughtful cover, a cover that switches genres or adds something brand new, Mm -hmm. finds a new way to like, okay. So um, in the latest, one of the Marvel movies, they did um, a cover, there's a, a, a band that did a cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit in a completely different
1: oh, yes. uh,
2: tempo. And I love, I graduated high school in 1991. Okay. That was the number one song <laughs> that year. I love Nirvana and yeah. I love that song. And, but hearing it there, I was not offended. I was like, that is a really creative <laughs> approach to that song. and there have been people who have done it th- at that tempo before and done like an acoustic version of it mm-hmm. but it was just really tastefully done and re- you know you had you could tell that there was uh someone didn't just churn that out in a day sure. you know it, it was, was thoughtfully
1: considered they right. thought what can i do here To make it interesting, like jazz, there was a framework and they're like, what can I do to kind of play around with this?
2: Exactly. And bringing your own experiences, maybe, you know, other influences in and combining them and seeing what you can make out of, you know, those seemingly uh, incompatible Mm -hmm. forms into a new song.
1: I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the musical Hamilton right now, bringing Mm -hmm. in you know, typical Broadway style and mixing it with hip hop and rap. I think it's, that's why it's so popular.
2: Uh, Yes. I agree. Yeah. It's just
1: introduced people, those who are maybe into hip hop and rap into Mm -hmm. a more Broadway style and those who are into sort of Broadway tunes into hip hop and rap.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of crossover audience that then learn something new and then you have, in a whole new way using those genres. I mean, I love Hamilton because, you know, the way that Lin-Manuel Miranda uses rap in that, um, and hip hop in that musical is as almost like a substitute for um, the uh, um, language of the commoner Mm -hmm. in that time period. So Hamilton raps and, you know, but the... Upper class sing, yes, and so it's it's kind of like yeah, uh, you know, and and when you start listening or or realizing those kinds of uh, connections and um, nuances, that brings a whole other level of a meaning to meaning. it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband loves heavy metal music, screamo music, and he's <laughs> always bringing me because I I do enjoy my fair share of pop music. He's always bringing me covers of of. Mm. Um, pop songs that have been done in a more intense style. And Uh, I think that's what, I think that's what you're getting at here is that in order to do a cover well, you have to bring something new to it to just play it like it sounds. It's like that already exists. Mm -hmm. Play something new.
2: Yeah. And then even if you can, if you can actually make the cover sound better than (laughs) the original, that is, so there's, there's one cover that, uh, That Jimi Hendrix does of a Beatles song. And I'm trying to think of which Beatles song it is right now. Um, It might be Crosstown Traffic or I can't remember. Mm. Um, No, that's not it. Anyway, but he does it, and the Beatles, it's classic, it's Beatles, it's great, but then he does it, and it makes the Beatles sound like a garage band, and I'm like, (laughs) that is creativity, you know, that's like, yeah, so those are just exciting moments when you find something like that, and you're like, oh, how did someone think of doing that, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Cool.
1: Well, I do have another question. What is one thing, or a few things that you wish that you could just impart upon to your music students about music. If you could just like mm. get them to understand this concept or these few concepts.
2: Yeah. What well, would you tell them? The first thing I think is especially um, students who are coming out of like high school, you know, or college freshmen and they probably, they might have been at a very competitive like uh, music program, mm. you know, or something which Being in a high school competitive music program, think of like, you know, competitive, uh, I don't know, show choir or Mm -hmm. something like that, where, you know, you work for months to get every movement exactly right. And it's, you know, and then you're judged on it and you get, we got first place in blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so it's just getting students to let go of that idea of perfect Mm. and, and, um. When you do that, then you free yourself up to be a musician and to be musical um, because, uh, so I, and I tell this story all the time too, but it was a one that really shaped me as a young person and as a musician was I was listening to an interview with Itzhak Perlman, who's a, one of the great violinists in the world um, and he uh d- if you don't know who he is he you, you know if you've seen a violinist play who you know walks out on stage on crutches he had polio when he was a young mm. boy and so <clears throat> he usually performs sit- seated um, even though he's a, like a famous soloist hmm. and he said you know and I mean he's been great for decades he's been at the top of violinists and he said just what i remember is he said i've never played what i consider to be a 16 17 year old person and i was like what does that mean for me? You know, it was... Yeah, if if
1: this guy's not perfect, what does that say about me? Oh my goodness,
2: yeah. And, I'm, you know, you can either take it as, well, there's no use in trying, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're holding on to that idea of perfection, or you can free yourself up and say, well, yeah, there are going to be some mistakes. There are going to be things, there are always things that you want to have back, that you've done better before, but they just didn't happen that time. And so what is so what's the goal of, of creating music? It's being, it's being a musician. It's, it's, it's being able to communicate through this art form. And so if that is your focus and your goal, then your idea of success is drastically changed from what it was before Mm -hmm. from, if I play every note right, and if I play every rhythm correctly, then I will have done it the best. I will be perfect. Mm -hmm. But there's so, there's so much more to that that you can't even quantify that letting go of that idea and just.
0: Well, and back to, um, you talking about tension and trying to let go of tension in your body, the need to be perfect is actually the cause of a lot of the tension (laughs) that we hold. And so letting go of that actually frees you up to play a better, imperfect yes. performance, but perfection actually holds no value. It doesn't add right. anything.
2: Yes, absolutely. And then even, you know, within those small imperfections, if you can live with them, then that serves as your, not not that your goal is perfection at all, but the, those imperfections serve as a little bit of motivation, you know, because it's this chasing of the impossible is what keeps musicians and other people you know going mm-hmm. it's you, that you are constantly striving for this unattainable goal and if you're if you can accept that then you can be happy with the results
0: i think it's also so, where the humanity lies yes like it is the Imperfection in a performance, or when an artist's voice cracks when they're singing, or Uh something like that, that reminds you that oh my gosh, they are human; like they are feeling this Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Because eventually, artificial intelligence is going to be able to do like it already can play everything perfectly. Then what's the point? Where's the humanity? So I think that it's our imperfections that actually keep us connected to.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: The human part of us.
2: Yeah. If you there have been some. Some studies done on this, you know, like if, if you program a computer to play some p- piano piece and play it exactly perfect, it no longer sounds like, you know, I mean, there's um, what makes it sound good to us, to almost every listener, mm-hmm. are those tiny imperfections yeah. mm-hmm. that in, in otherwise we say this sounds too robotic. It right. sounds... Yeah, too there's, clean.
1: It's yeah, too there's no crisp. M-
2: there's no music in yeah. this, and so that's that's why I have faith that we will not be replaced by robots.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I used to have that worry as a because I I studied to be a teacher, and I thought, oh, you know, computers are going to be able to teach our kids everything. Why do we even need humans? But then the pandemic hit, and I realized, oh no, kids need humans in the classroom yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to try yes. and teach them things because yes. that human element is what connects us. Right. That's why right. we bother going to concerts to begin with Mm -hmm. we have really good audio recordings of our favorite artists um but yet we still choose to go and experience them in person like why do we bother with that
2: right yeah there was there was one um pianist back in the 50s and 60s who decided because of the pressure his name was Glenn Gould he was a Canadian pianist and a great pianist very eccentric very quirky (laughs) and he decided at one point that he was done with public concerts and would only record from now on Hmm. and he did that so that he had quote total control over Ah. the process Um, but it wasn't in trying to be perfect to play every note perfect because he even this shows his quirkiness he had a piano that had one note on it that sounded a little off Mm. and the piano tuner, the technician couldn't get rid of it and he decided to record on it anyway because he liked all of the other notes. And so, so he, um, but anyway, he turned away from uh, the, you know, public uh, concert and much to the dismay of everyone who was a fan of his, you know, that he would just, um, just record. Mm -hmm. And, There's, you know, I guess musicians everywhere could do that, but there is, and we've seen like during the pandemic, there's so, that's what we missed was hearing live music. We can all listen to recordings, but that's not the same as experiencing it live because there's so many other things that go into a live performance and just seeing someone at that kind of vulnerable and in in that moment mm-hmm. of trying to be at their peak I performance. I mean, a
0: formative um, time for me was watching Yanni live at the Acropolis <laughs> on uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve. One night we were trying to stay up. And so we, my parents put on, I guess they had it on VHS. And watching Yanni play two pianos at once... And there you go. whip his beautiful long <laughs> Greek god <laughs> head of hair like forward and backward was um, hmm. quite. I mean, obviously, I'm still talking about it. Yeah,
2: left quite an impression. Yeah, I yeah. and
0: I made Madison listen to Yanni the other day. Well, a couple months ago, while we were painting, painting. a mural in the bathroom, and also I said, "Look at this man."
1: Yeah. Well, because that's the thing is like anything could happen at a live performance, yeah. and I think that's mm-hmm. what people go to see is like.
0: You know, they re- they could mess up. They could yeah. play something really beautiful. It also lets you see behind mm-hmm. the curtain. Like it right. lets you see that person in the act of their art, not yeah. just hearing. Like
2: when I was in mm-hmm. graduate school in Boston, I uh, a friend of mine was studying with the a principal trumpet player of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Oh, okay. And um, so if we if we met him at the back door of Symphony Hall at a certain time, he would let us in. And we could go up in, in standing room and listen to the concert. So, um, the uh, any, long story short, mm-hmm. one of the more memorable times was when his teacher completely flubbed an entrance. And everyone who I was with was just jaw dropped. They couldn't believe that this person who is at this level, you know, and he had been there for decades yeah. and was just, yeah, the legend, and that he had not just messed up, but messed up in the worst possible way. Yeah. And um, yeah. And there are, there are. Uh, I was just showing again this was the boston symphony orchestra they they're really a great ensemble okay. they're Good not, to know. not but you know i was playing this video and the conductor started them and part of the violin section thought he was in uh one tempo or one uh, meter and the and half thought he was in another and he immediately put up three fingers to say I'm in three and it was only for like a split second that they were off. But I was like, see, this is like, even the best orchestras in the world are not, not everything goes right all the time. It's how you get through it. It's how you address the mistake Mm. and then not cover it up, but just
0: to get, get past it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, what do you do in that moment when things go wrong that you don't want to happen? Do you, does that make you stop? Does that make you, you know, or do you just forget about it or you have the ability to forget about it and just keep Mm -hmm. going and then make music despite what just happened? Mm -hmm. And it's the same in, you know, I do like, I do a lot of woodworking. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I, you have those times when you make a mistake and you think, should I just throw this out? Or can I make something can I do something with this mistake that wasn't planned from the beginning, yes. but maybe it becomes an aspect of the the work that um, makes it unique and makes it interesting. so
0: Wow, I think that's a beautiful lesson and a good thing note to end on, yeah. unless you have anything else to say about how music. Uh decorates time (laughs) or I
2: yeah well um there's so that's the thing there's so much to say maybe we should do a part two here I'm just inviting myself back no I would love to hear it because
1: I would also love to hear about your woodworking as well because I think there might be um an interesting connection there with well and how
0: one informs the other yes
2: yeah um yeah I there's a lot to say about that but Um, yeah, there, there's, there's so much to think about and there's so many correlations that it, but it's really interesting though, to get, you know, different perspectives on how we deal with, uh, creativity in different, um, arenas and how that, um, is, becomes a part of us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, because there was a
0: lot we didn't touch on. I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, culture, like what music says about culture. Is yeah. music really universal? Mm. Um, so, yes. sounds like we'll we're going to need to have you back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In the new year, because I think we have stuff lined up. We for do. The rest but, of the year,
1: but I have we'll really back. enjoyed this conversation. Me too. This has yeah. been absolutely fun. Okay.
0: Um, okay. So, at the end of each episode, we go through our sweet and sour. Do you have. Mm. I haven't thought of anything. You yet. haven't thought of no. anything at all? You um, go first, Madison.
1: Excellent. Okay. Uh, my suite is that I'm working on a new project now, a new sewing project. Wasn't planning on it. I have a list of projects that I keep on my phone of like, oh, things that I want to get done. This was not on there. I just found some fabric and I needed to... I needed to start working on it, and but it's,
0: sometimes those projects are the nicest because they're not projects that have been hanging over your head. It's just like a surprise, like a <gasps> I have to do this now. Oh,
1: I think it's one of my favorite types of yeah. projects because I have a lot of excitement about it, and it's not just and I get to be very in the moment. Um, whereas typically, sewing and making clothing requires a lot of planning and figuring out how you're going to execute that plan. And I, I I'm not, I'm not always feeling that it doesn't always vibe with my creative spirit. So
0: kind of gets in our way at make do, doesn't it? A
1: little bit, that whole planning <laughs> thing. To execute
0: the plan. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Anyways. So do you have a, do you have a sweet Andrew? Um, something that's something that's been nice or enjoyable this week
2: this week, nice or enjoyable. I guess maybe it was just uh we just got a cat, so <gasps> oh. um so I think and i'm I'm more team dog, oh <laughs>
1: same. gotcha,
2: which is you know, but in the the cat was for my daughter, and but the cat Reggie, and oh. I have gotten along. <laughs> Very nicely. Is it... Uh, he's been very sweet.
0: Is Reggie like a, hey, I'll come exist in your space and you can touch me kind of cat? Or like a, leave me alone, I am the king of this?
2: I mean, domain. we've only had him for a week, so I've okay. seen moments of both. Okay. Mm. So he, I think he's trying to figure out his surroundings. Right. But in all things, he's been a perfect gentleman. And oh, I appreciate yes. that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, very few people can say that. <laughs> Especially about cats. Okay, I yeah. thought of a sweet.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so, about a month ago, well, by the time this comes out, it will be longer than that, but um, Make Do had a fundraiser, and Lisa from Wildsuit Williams made sweet potatoes <laughs> that were maybe the most magical thing I've ever eaten. I mean, these things mm. were addicting. and it was beautiful. It, so much so that whenever I was home over a Halloween weekend, at one point my sister said, you have talked about these sweet potatoes <laughs> three times today. Yeah. But my sweet is that I saw Lisa recently, and she told me how to make them. <laughs> so now it will be. I guess that's what I'm learning too. Is like, can I actually learn how to make these sweet potatoes? I said I would attempt them for Thanksgiving, yeah. uh, but I don't know how to do some of it. So you're gonna have to.
1: Oh, uh, I'm gonna have help to help me. you out. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do want to put out p- put out there about these magical mashed potatoes was because they were a mistake. When she told oh, the yeah. story of hmm. trying to make these things, mind you, she was cooking for 60, 60 people. She had this idea in her head of how she wanted to do it, and she, it totally did not work. And so she's like, Well, what can I do with these shriveled sweet potatoes? I'll make mashed potatoes. And they and then were they amazing. They changed my
0: life. Mm. Yeah, they were very and good. And so that one mistake really like I don't think I would have enjoyed them so much if they had just been roasted. Yeah. It's
2: like the Bob Ross happy accident. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Those are the best. Yeah.
0: For um, sure. Madison, what's your sour? Um so
1: I love seeing family. That is not my sour. My sour is the drive that I have to take yeah. in order to get there. I'm seeing my in-laws that live up in Maryland. So, mm. it's a 2-day trip. Yes. We're taking our dogs with us. I am not excited about. Do you that take part. the cat too,
0: or the cat stays home?
1: Um, we used to take the cat. We can no longer take the cat. He's staying at home. But honestly, he travels really well. Because um, uh, the dogs, they like to bark at night, and we're gonna be have to. We're gonna have to stay in a hotel with them. And I am not team dog. I used to think I was <laughs> until I got a dog, and now I have two dogs. I love them, and I love dogs. I just like them in the way grandparents like their grandchildren, where they love them and then they can give them back. So, yeah. You tolerate Pip pretty well. Oh, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love animals. I'm just realizing that I have a cat person personality. Yeah, and I
0: don't really care.
2: Nothing for that. So that's
1: my sour. I'm spending close (laughs) to 16 hours in a car with two dogs, so... Mm.
0: Andrew, do you
2: have a sour? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I
0: know. Sometimes it's hard to think of one.
2: Okay. So uh, I'm trusting that my daughters are not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, I'll just say that my sour this week is my younger daughter just turned 13. Okay.
1: And so I now,
2: now we have two teenage daughters in the house. Oh, and yes. teenage daughters, I am learning. I think I knew this before, but I'm learning <laughs> okay. anew. Just the special kind of snark that they can produce. <laughs> and that is that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. Um, my sister and I, we are two years apart. Mm-hmm. And so growing up in our house, there was a lot of snark. And I was just thinking about this the other day, um, about how we would like borrow each other's clothes mm. and how
0: possessive we were yes.
1: about each other's clothes. Like you wore my shirt. You stretched it out. We did not stretch it out. We have the same body type. (laughs) Um, Or like we would, my sister would like hide clothes from me
0: or I would like, or I would borrow a shirt and not tell my sister. Or like sometimes you're in a really friendly mood though. And then you're like, here, you should wear this shirt of mine.
1: Uh, no, that is never never (laughs) happened. Nope.
0: We would be like best friends. Yeah. Then it would flip on a dime. Mm. Like, I can't believe you took that shirt. But like I gave it to her to borrow.
1: Yeah. I know. So I'm Yeah. I, so, I wish I could give you some that's okay. some advice as someone who has lived out the teenage girl life but other Oh, I, I th-
0: think you just hunker down. Yeah. yeah. And in 10 years it will be better.
2: I thought that I was a little bit just a tiny bit prepared for this having three sisters.
1: Oh, okay. But they're
2: older sisters. Ah. And so it but it yeah, it didn't really Prepare me oh, for all, no. all that, all that this entails yeah. of yes. dealing with. Yeah, but I love them and they're oh, great. Yeah, but it's just snarky.
0: Yeah, yeah. We do love. I love the teen drama, but I don't have to. Um, <laughs> you can give them back <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, I am learning.
0: No, my sour. Oh, oh you have a said sour. A sour.
1: Okay, yeah. Um,
0: I haven't been feeling well. You've been sick for like a week. <laughs> Whether it's with a headache or with... Now I have a sinus infection, so yeah. I'm taking antibiotics for that, and maybe that's also what was causing my headaches, which hopefully then that means it will solve everything mm-hmm. if I can start feeling better. But it's really getting in the way of me doing my job.
1: Yeah, feeling bad will do that. Yeah, for sure.
0: That is my sour.
1: <laughs> so uh, my Learn. Lear- what I'm learning has to do with my new project. I'm learning how to flatline pieces of... Uh, of my pattern pieces before I put together an article of clothing.
0: So what does that mean? So
1: it, I was about to say it (laughs) means, (laughs) (laughs) so I went ahead and made like a a muslin, which is like a mock-up of the out of the piece of clothing. And then I went ahead and ripped it apart. And then I'm going to lay those pieces flat on top of like the actual good fabric sew that to it, and then I will s- put all of the pieces together. It provides stability for the garment.
0: So you sew your muslin pieces. You're, like, using it as an interfacing, basically, for yes. your other...
1: It's a very historical technique um, that provides a lot of structure, and since this is going to be a winter skirt, it provides a little bit extra, like, layer and warmth to the garment. So, yeah, that's what I'm learning how to do, because it can it can be a little fussy sometimes, trying yeah. to make sure that the pieces don't, like, bunch up or get... Stretched into strange shapes, yeah. Hmm. So,
0: yeah, that's what I'm learning. Well, cool, yeah. Andrew, what are you learning?
2: Oh boy, um, I am learning. Um, can you go and then I go? <laughs> oh, I'm, I have, I'm, gonna, I'm trying I'm to
0: learn how to make the sweet potatoes. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I need you to teach me, Madison, how to caramelize onions. I don't know how to do that.
1: Yeah, you got an hour. They take a while. Uh,
0: wait, it's gonna take me an hour to learn how to do it. Oh no, or just an like, hour to
1: do it. To ta- to caramelize onions.
0: Yeah, that's fine. It's I'm gonna make them for Thanksgiving. Okay, cool. I'll just be at home. Okay, gotcha. Um I guess another thing I'm learning is that I there's only so much I can do ahead of time and this is a constant lesson for me. Like the crux of a project, the meat of a project is only gonna come to me. Right before the project is due. <laughs> it really stinks. I wish I could work ahead of time, but I'm working on our end of year giving campaign, which by the time, when is this episode coming out? Might be live. <laughs> if so, <laughs> I'll put a link in the show Go and check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. But um like I, sh- I wanted to have this done a month ago and just couldn't do it. It happens. That's... Sometimes it works that mm-hmm. way. So I'm learning to like, I guess back to tempo, what we were talking about earlier, you have to learn in your own tempo. Yes. And I have to just get my work done in the, my own tempo. I can't force it. Yeah. The Especially perfect, the, the, like, perfect the creative tempo. stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, so my uh, what I'm learning, I've, I've been, this is an ongoing process, but I'm still learning this week. So part of my woodworking is that, uh, I've tried to combine my interests. And so oh. I'm making, um, I've I've been on a kick of making uh, conducting batons. Oh,
0: <gasps> yes. And
2: so that I am... That sounds a lot
0: like a wand. And Madison yes. loves wands. I,
2: I, could, <laughs> I could easily transfer this to making a wand. But I'm learning that, you know, there, uh, for, so for a conducting baton, you like to have the balance point It needs to be in a certain place on the baton so that it feels right in the hand. And so... Yes. I'm I'm not a mathematician, but I'm trying to learn mm. the ratio of the weight of the shaft to mm-hmm. the weight of the handle, and where that puts the balance point. And I'm getting pretty close to um, to uh, being able to um, you know turn that on a lathe so that it so that I've got the right weight that puts the balance point. Luckily, you can add a little weight if you need to. Okay. So yeah, but. Um, Uh, But that's what I'm into these days is creating, conducting batons.
1: That's awesome. How many have you made so far? Do you think?
2: Well, I've made them for a few years, but I haven't been serious about it until like they were just kind of, Eh, you know, like like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Why don't I try this? You can get
0: mad and you can break it. I actually did. (gasps) You have?
2: I okay. So in front
0: of students, you're like,
2: do we have time for a story? Yes, please do. Okay, so (laughs) I was conducting the musical Cinderella. Isn't oh, that's, that appropriate? That's, and the,
1: that's the new, like the or the most recent musical that we've had yes. here, right?
2: This is just like last month this happened, <laughs> and I made. So when I'm conducting in the pit orchestra, or conducting the pit orchestra, um, at least I like to have a, a kind of s- specific baton mm-hmm. that's not too long and that fits my hand really well. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a given. You like to sure. have that. But um, that's not too big because, you know, you're conducting for two hours and it's a lot of conducting. And um, also you're in tight spaces. And so you don't need something, yeah, yeah, that that is going to like hit your stand light or Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. So I don't remember exactly. My students will remember exactly what (laughs) caused this. But... um, there was there were a lot of questions in the pit and when, so when you're conducting a musical i love it because it's really hard. Mm. It's it's like you have so many things to deal with, like all the musicians in the pit and what's going on on the stage and making mm-hmm. sure that everyone has their cue. And as, even when you're doing underscore, like playing music while there's dialogue going on, you have to make sure you're at certain points of the dialogue by this measure. Because you're this... trying
0: to support this feeling yes, that happens exactly. in the musical. Okay. Yeah. So, well, and so then if the actors are a little behind or take a step yes. longer or forget a line. Or yes. Whatever.
2: And you have to be aware of that. You I might know, enjoy
0: musicals a little more. Yeah. knowing that when you know? you're
2: when you're like in the, in the like the the behind the scenes of it, and there are so many things that could go wrong, mm-hmm. and I have had them go wrong <laughs> before. And uh, it's it's really exciting. It's really a, a challenge to concentrate for that long. Mm-hmm. And so so there are lots of things that can be frustrating. So I was. I had made. Sorry, I'm telling the story. No, no. This and, is great. Okay, so I had made a baton that to, to use in the pit. I was liking it, and I made. I had another one. I thought, I wonder if I would like this one too. Mm-hmm. So I was conducting the first half, and this was in a rehearsal. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't like this one quite as much as the other one that I made." And so something happened where it, I just got so frustrated, and I was. It was like I had twenty questions. At once, which was just bombarded with like, and I just took that in my hand and snapped it, like (gasps) snapped it and just dropped it without saying a word. And it was, uh, I'm told that this this had quite an impact on the players in front of me. Um, I,
1: they're going to be telling that story until mm-hmm. the day they die. Probably,
2: and, love- <laughs> but the great I'm- thing was is that because I had both batons there, mm-hmm. I just picked up just the next, the one. other one, <laughs> and kept going. Or it just we went back and started over, and that was that. Yeah,
1: that is amazing. So, yeah, it's like a mic drop, but with more yes.
2: emotion. Yeah, and, and afterwards, like, because
1: you're
0: mad, not because you just said yeah. something amazing.
2: Afterward, <laughs> the um, musicians came up with pieces of the baton to hand. <gasps> they, like, very, um, you know, sheepishly, like, like do uh, you want the part of your baton back? You're I was like, like, no,
0: you keep that yeah. to remember
2: what you did. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Oh, that is hysterical. I need mm-hmm. batons to break in class when I have kids who are coming to me like, what's the next step? Hey, are we supposed to be doing this? Hey, and I can just, like, break something and just, yes. and just walk away. Sometimes
2: we just need to break things. Like, it's <laughs> it's a good... Sudden, cathartic relief. Well,
0: and it it probably got your point across.
2: It did. It really did. And it
0: changed. All
2: the questions stopped. Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hysterical. Yeah. Well, because we are recording in advance at Dome, not sure what day it is. But I I think Thanksgiving is over. Yeah. And it is probably December or close to it. Yeah. So happy whatever holiday you might be in. (laughs) Happy whatever week it is. Yes, Andrew. Thank you for coming here. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Me too. We like you have infused new energy into our conversation. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes Madison and I, uh, I don't know. We can be boring when it's just the two of us. Occasionally. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right. right, Well, y'all have a good week. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. You can say bye if you want. Oh, (laughs) bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend, Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also be sure to connect with Make do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make do Cersei. and visit our website, makedocreate.org for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things. We'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Have a good week, y'all.